We're doing something very different, as you know, if you've seen, I put in the bulletin uh, sermon notes with fill in the blanks. Uh, don't usually do this, but I wanted to make sure I stayed on topic today completely. So if you want to fill in the blanks, that's fine. If not, that's fine too. So last week I was asked by an individual here, this was the dreaded submission <laughs> message. And hearing it, I'm, I'm hoping the person was joking and kidding about it, but it was, it struck me as a way that I, in a, in a way, and the more I thought about it, the more that question bothered me. So before we even get to the, the quote-unquote <laughs> submission message, we're going to do a, a different uh, message, and it is going to be entitled, The Beauty and Blessing of Submission. And... One of the things we have out there is, is there's so many people who don't understand submission from the, from the biblical point of view. Um, there are a lot of people who they think they like submission and they're usually men. <laughs> you know, they really think they like submission and maybe when we're done they may not like submission as much as they think they do. There's others that think of, uh, that, uh, who don't think they like submission, and hopefully when we get done, you'll see the blessing and, and, and beauty of submission and that it's a positive, not a, not a negative. Uh, for many, when they think of the word submission, what do they think of? They think of inferiority <laughs> or being a doormat. And that's really not what submission is from a biblical point of view. I looked it up in English, and the English does kind of make that idea that you're you know, some, somehow inferior, but that's not what the Bible talks about when it talks about submission. Um, my hope is that when we get done, we're going to see submission more as a protective umbrella. There's a lot of protection in, in, the, in the idea of submission. And we just, I want to just cover this because it is so important that we don't look at this negative. Um, Jesus was submitted to the Father didn't make him inferior to the Father, does not make him a doormat to the Father. But you look at what Jesus was submitted to. He was submitted to come and die for us. Now, most of us, when we think about submission, have never had anybody ask us to die for somebody else, to be submitted to them. And yet the Father's command to Jesus was, you know, I want you to go and, and live a perfect life and die so that the people we're going to create that, that are going to sin can be bought back. Another, another place where Jesus was submitted is if you look at Luke chapter 2, 55, this is after the time when he went into the temple and his parents left and he, when he was 12 years old and they couldn't find him. And he said, well, don't you know I'd be around my father's business, about my father's business. And then at the very end of that chapter, it says that he went home with Mary and Joseph and were submitted to them. Now, it actually says subject to them in, the, in it, but it's the same word as for submit, okay? He put his will under their authority because he was their child for that period of time. And so I'm bringing out the things that Jesus did because, you know, if we want to think the submission is bad, then we're going to have to look and say that something was wrong with Jesus. And we want to bring, out that, bring that out. In, in the Greek, the word is hupotasso. And it literally means to abide under or to, it's a military term that means to arrange under, okay? And 
One of the things my dad used to say about the military when he was in it, he goes, there was a saying in the military, you might not like the man in the uniform, but you had to honor the uniform. Okay, which is way of saying the guy might have been a real jerk, but he was still your boss. And you still had to obey the orders of the officer or the non-commissioned officer, whichever it was that you were talking about. Am I losing you all on the notes? I'm already at the bottom of the page on this front page, first page side. Well, get that up, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me help you out. For those who are trying to catch up, the first line, the title of the message, the beauty and blessing of submission. When we are done, those who think they love submission will not like it as much, probably won't like it as much. Those who think they don't like it will think of it more positively. Huh? Do not think they like it. Did I miss a word? Sorry. We're not starting over again. Look at somebody else's notes. Most think the submission means inferiority or doormat. And I hope you'll see it as an umbrella or a protective umbrella. And then the question is, is Jesus inferior or a doormat? And then we're at the part where it says, do you, the Greek word is for submission is hupotasso. H-U-P-O-T-U-T-A-S-S-O, -S -S hupotasso. Hupo, under. Okay, that would be fine. Sounds like I should have done it, tried to do it on a PowerPoint. Go slower. Some of us have slow hearing. Slow hearing? And slow fingers. And slow brain. <laughs> well, I, I have that, so. But the hubatasso, again, is a military term, and it means to arrange under. And the idea is that there is, of hubatasso is not inferiority or, you know, even lesser. You know, sometimes the person who is better was the one that was underneath somebody else because just the way it worked out. And again, we use the military as an example. Many times people will say that, uh, have a hard time with a boss, especially lieutenants when they'd come out of the academy, trying to boss sergeants who'd been around for 20, you know, 15, 20 years because he had a higher rank and thought he knew everything. And yet, you know, they had to honor, again, honor the uniform and the rank, even though the guy was not a very smart person coming out of the academy and didn't understand to treat people well and use that thing. So but the idea of authority, God has a real strong picture of authority. And I just want to bring this out because we're all under authority. The second, the back side of this is areas of submission. We're going to just give you these real quick and then we'll talk about a few of them. We started out with Jesus to the Father. <laughs> okay. And this was pretty strong. You know, the Father was asking him even before creation, you know, son, we're going to create these people. They're going to sin. I want you to go and give your life. And as I said at the beginning, that is something none of us have been asked really to do, give our life because of our sub submission to some, some position. The other one that we talked about, Jesus to Mary and Joseph. You know, I want to just bring out the word hubotasso is used in the scripture in the New Testament 32 times. I'm going to go back and mention that. 32 times. Of that... Only six times are the one that everybody dreads, and that's 
the wives being submitted to the husbands. Six times out of 32. And yet, when we talk about submission, what's the one that everybody always thinks about is wives to their husbands. And it is the minority. Yes, it is the one that has the most repetitive times, but it is still one of the minor, minor ones. Another one that is talked about in the scripture, and this is the second most one, that the demons are subject to God. <laughs> kind of interesting when you think about that is we all kind of time think that Satan and the demons are somehow not subject to God because of their rebellion. But the, when we read the scriptures, they're very subject. Before J Satan could even touch Job, he had to go ask the Father for permission. That's kind of bothering to some of us sometimes, you know, to think of God allowing Satan to come and give us a hard time. But he does that a lot. He wants us to understand where we are and what we believe. A lot of people try to believe that, well, if God, God lets Satan do these so he will, he will find out where we're at. God already knows where we're at. He already knows what we're going to do. He lets Satan harass us so that we know where we're at. Because we have this problem that we like to lie to ourselves so often. I'll never, I'll never uh, disobey God. I'll, I'll always do what he wants me to do. As Satan throws a little hook out there and drags us up uh, you know, the wrong direction. And the whole purpose of all these trials and temptations we go through are not for God to figure out where we are but for us to understand where we are. When God asked Abraham to go up to the mountain and sacrifice Isaac, he already knew that Abraham would do that. Did Abraham know that he would do it? <laughs> Probably not, because that was quite a request. Abraham, take the son that you love, the one that I've told you is the promise and is going to be the, the father of all these nations, and go sacrifice him. Most of us would have had a great problem with that, that uh, request for many reasons. And yet, the purpose of it was so that God says, you know, he says, now I know you love me, but it's more the fact that now I know that you know. And we want to be careful of this because how many of us have ever been in a place where we're saying, I will never fall into that sin or that temptation? Or when you were young, I will never do what my mom and dad did to me. <laughs> and find yourself as you're raising your kids doing the same thing that mom and dad did. Sometimes because you find out it really was for good rather than bad. You know, they weren't trying to be mean to you. And you apply the same things. You know, I've shared with you, there was a time when, if, when I was a teenager, if somebody ever shared with me, uh, there's going to be a time when you don't go to church and read your Bible, I would have gone, you're absolutely nuts. And yet, as I told you, I spent two years where I just walked away from God and walked, uh, became a workaholic. I mean, I didn't really didn't do any crazy things other than stay at work for, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. But we have to be very careful. Very careful, and this is why God allows tests to come into our life. To say, do you truly believe? Are you going to stand on what you believe? and really show us where we're at. So the demons are subject to God. One that all of us probably have trouble with now, especially in America, is people to the government. You know, 
It's pretty easy to be submitted to the government when you're really happy with them. They seem to be making good decisions. Righteous people are in, in charge, as Proverbs says, that the nation is blessed when the righteous is in, in charge and cursed when the wicked get in charge. And we have had for a while some a string of presidents that are headed the wrong direction. We probably deserve what we're getting because of the nation not following God and rejecting God. So we're getting what we deserve, but we need to pray. We need to pray for our, our leaders, and we need to be submitted. And, our, and the disciples, when they were writing these things about being submitted to the government, we think, oh, well, yeah, it's easy for them to say, well, they were telling you to be submitted to an emperor named Nero. And I don't know if you all know your history well enough to know who Nero was, but Nero did little things like put Christians on posts, put oil on them and light them on fire to light his garden. Okay? He was not a nice man, and he was killing Christians all the time and instructing other people to kill Christians, and yet we're told, submit to government. The disciples, even when they said to the, the leaders and they go, we told you not to speak in this man's name, and they go, well, we have to obey God rather than man. But even as I've said before, when they were saying that statement, they were submitted to the punishment for having broken man's laws, even though they were against God's laws. Okay? Authority has to be obeyed, and if you disobey it, even for right reasons, you have to be ready to take the punishment for the disobedience. And this is why I've talked about submission is really a great umbrella. As long as you're underneath your submission, you're protected. I like to use the military because it's a real easy one that people understand. If you're told to do something in the military by a non-commissioned officer or an officer, and you're only a private or a corporal or something, you go do what you're told. Unless it's illegal, I mean, this is you know the same thing. You know, if it's illegal, then you don't do it, but you still can be in trouble. But if you're told to go dig a hole and move the dirt to one side of the field, you dig the hole and move the dirt to the other side of the field. And if they turn around and say, go put the dirt back in the hole, you go do what you're told to do. Even if it makes no sense to you or you don't understand it, you, you're to do what you're told to do. And as long as you're obeying them, their legal commands, you're protected. Okay, And it even works out that if you're doing a job that your boss told you to do and somebody else of a higher rank comes along and tells you to do something else, you're to go follow what they said to do. You could tell them, you know, I was told by, you know, Sergeant so-and-so to do this. And they say, well, I understand, but you're going to go do what I'm telling you. They gave you a command, and you're theoretically <laughs> and correctly covered by being obedient to that person who gave you another assignment. And this is, but God is not theoretical when he says this. If you're following and living under the obedience, you're covered. And we're, we think about that. Let me finish the list of things. That we're, um, we're told that workers or slaves are to be obedient to their masters. And the closest we have is the, the, the worker to the boss. And when Romans were talking about slaves to masters, it was pretty much a worker and boss situation. Yeah, they didn't have total freedom, but it also they were treated with much respect often. Children are told to be obedient to their parents. And that's the, God says that we're to honor our parents. It's the first, first promise with a commandment with blessing. 
so that you would have a long life. Again, following rules, living under, living under the umbrella. And then the, and then the one that, that most people don't like, you know, the wives to their husbands. And that last blank I put in there is submission to authority is a blessing. As much as we don't really want to think of it as a blessing, I want to read a couple of uh, verses on this. Hebrews 13. Verse 7. 17, excuse me. Obey them that have rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that way is unprofitable to you. This is specifically talking about a church relationship, people being under submission to a pastor. But there's other ones that talk about all of this. But I love this one because it very specifically says, as to one who gives an account. When somebody is submitted, especially wives to husbands, that submission puts the husband in the place he has to answer to God. Okay, and this is why I'm saying it's a blessing in, what, in the long run because as long as you're abiding under that umbrella, whether it is people to the government, the employee to the boss, the church to the pastor, the wife to the, to the husband, the children to the, to the parents, you're protected because they're the one that gives the account. Which of course makes it, if you want to be the authority, the one that's being submitted to, you've got a problem. <laughs> Because you're responsible for the lives that are under you. And again, we go to the military. They're the person who's the, the above everybody, they're responsible for the lives of every single person under them to do what's right, to not take them into you know, overly dangerous places. And let, you know, but sometimes there, there is even that command. You're, to, you're the charge of the machine gun, even though most of you are going to die. But that was a calculated risk by others that a few die so that many will live. But we look at this. God has got a blessing in submission. And that blessing is that somebody else is accountable. And it's scary for those of us who've had positions of authority. I've shared with people, it took me six years to learn a lesson when I was younger. Unfortunately, my family suffered because of my disobedience during that period of time. And it's something that has to be answered to God for. Very important for us. If you, you know, you, you want to fight submission, that's fine. You keep stepping outside the umbrella of the protection, and you step outside of submission, then you get the judgment for stepping outside of submission. You stay under submission, and you've got that blessing. Now, we know that there's, you know, this is the world. It is a fallen world. It doesn't always work perfectly. But from God's point of view, it does. Now go back to the disciples disobeying the government. They had an option. They could have said, no, God, the government said, don't, don't preach Jesus. So we're going to obey them. And they would not have gotten beat and thrown into prison and, and suffered. But they also wouldn't have been obeying God. And God said, go, go share. And when they, when they were disobedient, they suffered the consequences. And I like using them because they are very clear, you know, they did what God wanted them to do, but they still suffered the consequences for stepping out of the umbrella of submission to the government. So they make a great example of, even when it's time to do it, it can be bad results. 
But it's very rare that we need to step out from submission. If the government or, or the, the authority is telling you to go do something that is clearly wrong, obey God. Obey God and be ready for the, the, the consequences of violating submission. Because God doesn't throw the one rule out to, to allow the other one. And I love what the apostles kept saying. Thank God we were worthy of suffering for him. When you're going to step out of, from under authority and submission, make sure it's for the right reasons. Make sure they're godly reasons. Because the blessing of submission is much greater than the punishment for disobeying. And we just want to bring this up because I want to make sure we understand submission. Especially in the fact that we're going to spend about three weeks in Ephesians on submission. Okay. Uh, it's not, most of it is not the wise, but there's going to be a long period of time on submission. We need to understand submission. Submission is not a negative. It is not a negative thing, and we want to be able to really fully understand that it's not negative. Go further. Do I have any other questions here? Let's see. Uh, the next one after submission to authority as a blessing is authority. The authority is held accountable to God for their leadership while the submitted person is protected under that leadership of the authority. The authority is held accountable to God for there, and that there shouldn't, is the wrong there, that was... <laughs> no, Spellcheck didn't catch that one at all. Is held accountable to God for their leadership while the submitted person is protected under the leadership of that authority. And again, it is just that protection. The protection of submission. Leadership of that authority. So we just want to encourage on that as we get ready to go into Ephesians and all these different submissions that we really look at this. And then the last statement to be filled in is Therefore, when you think about submission, think umbrella. I like tying these things into something because I, I think about an umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm. If you're under that umbrella, theoretically, you don't get wet. Uh, unless it's blowing from the side in every other direction that happens around here. But the idea on this is if you're under the authority, that, that leader is above you, they're, they're the umbrella that's keeping the bad from off of you. And they're the one that will be held accountable. Our government has a lot to answer for before God when it stands before God, especially with all these rules and laws they're putting out that are against God. When our leaders stand before God, they've got a lot of, a lot of answering to do. Doesn't mean we don't go on and try to make changes or anything, but we need to make sure we stay respectful. And one thing I tell people is, you know, if you're going to start griping about the government and our leaders, make sure you're praying for them. Many years ago, I had a problem not praying for a particular president that I couldn't stand at all. <laughs> I didn't pray for him, but I spoke out against him quite often, and God kind of one day hit me upside the head and said, you have no right to speak against him because you haven't been praying for him. So I want to encourage us, you know, we do have a very poor government right now. 
We have some very poor leadership right now in our country. Our strongest tool is to pray for them you know, and vote and use our Bible when we vote and say, who can we vote for that is as closely related to the Bible as possible. Usually what I vote for is not what everybody thinks is important because I open my Bible and say, does this person stand for life? Do they stand for God? Are they going to be a godly person? Because what they believe in other things, I don't care because if they believe in God, they're going to make better decisions in, in other places. But I've learned very much, if you're going to look critically at somebody and you're not praying for them, you have no right to be talking about them or even talking to them. One of the things I get asked by the prisoners all the time is, what do you do with this individual who claims to be a Christian and doesn't live like a Christian? Yeah. And they're in a pretty tight spot because they're almost like family. You get to see them 24-7, 365 days a year. You know, If you say you're a Christian and you don't live like a Christian, you're going to be discovered very quickly. Much like when we are our, people in our families, they, they see all of our mistakes. They see the times when we get mad for no reason and and do things that aren't godly, and they're going, well, see, I knew you weren't that great a Christian. And my answer to them has been very important, is first off, pray for those people. You don't have a right to even look at their problems if you don't love them enough to pray for them. We need to do the same thing with our government and each other. And I really truly believe this. If we don't love somebody enough to be praying for them, we have no business or right to talk even to that person directly to try to tell them how bad they're acting because we haven't had enough love to even care and put them before God. And you know the amazing thing about this is the more we pray for people, God oftentimes will make the changes in their lives without us ever having to talk to them. And I've shared this. When I was, when I was first married, I used to pray for God to change Lynn. You know, he always changed me. <laughs> And I think in the process he might have changed her, but he changed me more than he, than he ever changed her. And I think that the more we pray for somebody, the more that he's going to soften our heart toward them in the first place. And as our heart is softened, he may change them a little bit as well. But he's going to change our position. We're going to care about them. We're going to love them more. And we're going to see them more as he sees them, as a person needing grace, needing love. And the more we pray for somebody, the more we're going to see that grace and love toward them. And they're going to just love them so much that God is going to make the changes that need to be made. And a lot of times, it's us that needs to be changed. Yeah. I shared the other day with some guys that, you know, we all have our list of what, it, what, it, what a good Christian is. The only problem with that list is my list it's not going to be the same as John's list. It's not going to be the same as Mark's list. It's not going to be the same as Loretta's list. We all have a different list of what it means to be a Christian. And we're all judging each other by our list. And the person you're judging probably is judging you because you're not fulfilling what what's on their list. And the problem is that no list is correct. God treat treats us all differently. He grows us all at different places. And what I found out years ago, somebody else may just be finding out today, and what they found out years ago, I may not even be on my horizon yet at all. And God may be teaching me it three years down the road. 
And yet, we're looking at each other and saying, well, why aren't you all as spiritual, as spiritual as I am? And if we really looked at ourselves, we're not all that spiritual. No matter where we are on the scale, if we compare ourselves to God, we're nowhere close to where we're supposed to be. And yet, when we're judging other people, we're going, you're not as spiritual as me. That's a sad place to be. That's why we need to pray for one another. Learn to love. Learn to give grace. Let God do the work in their life that he's working on. Be able to, to say, I'm where I'm at. They're where they're at. And you know what? If God wasn't working in our life, we'd probably be far worse than anybody that we're trying to compare ourselves to. And we want to be very careful with that. Again, the idea of authority. Who, who is your authority? Who are they submitted to? Who am I submitted to? It should be God. Ultimately, I'm submitted to God to do things the way he has asked me to do it. And each person is under the submission of God, and they need to be able to say, I'm doing what he's asked me to do. Or, I'm not doing what he told me to do, and he's, and he's putting me under a whole bunch of storms. You know, again, we step outside of the umbrella of God. We step outside of his authority. We're going to get beat and battered by this world. And come crawling back to God and say, God, let me back inside. I want to be, I want to do what I'm supposed to do. And God says, whoa, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> now, are we ready to learn the lesson that you were just trying to learn? And God is not like our school system. You don't go to the next class, the next level, until you learn what he's been trying to teach you. And that's what I said. I spent six years learning the same lesson, or not learning the same lesson, and finally giving in. And then he goes, okay, you've passed this one, let's go to the next one. Abraham left the Ur of Chaldees, made it as far as Haran, and stayed there for decades. And we, didn't, we don't see God talking to him at all until he finally steps out, and then God comes back and reiterates the, the covenant with him. Decades of being disobedient, and God finally speaks to him when he finally decides to be obedient. It's been said, and I agree with this, if you have not heard for God in, for a while, think back to the last thing you know he told you to do and ask yourself, am I doing what he told me to do? Because if you're not, he's waiting for you to do the last thing you were told to do. How many of us remember maybe doing this to our kids? We tell them to clean the rooms and we wait until they clean their room. They want blessings. They want, they want some, some gifts. I've even done that with Well, can we do such and such? I'm going, nope, you haven't, you haven't done what I told you to do. What was it you told me to do? Well, yesterday I told you to go clean your room. It's not done yet, so you don't get any, any big blessings. God does the same thing with us. God, can I have such and such? Nope, you haven't done the last thing I told you to do. He's waiting for us to be obedient. And then he comes back, and immediately when we start being obedient, he goes, okay, now we can, now we can do some good things for you. You can have the blessings. By the way, we're also going to teach you something else new and ask you to do something else new. Submission. I hope that you're going to understand that submission is a great thing. It's not negative. And I understand that there's teachings out there that say, you know, that make submission sound terrible. And people who get very vocal about it and say, well, you've got to obey, you've got to do this. You know, they've got some problems. <laughs> they may even be right, but they've got problems in the way they want to deal with it. Because I can guarantee you, if somebody truly is wanting you to be submitted to them and they deserve it, 
they're going to treat people in a way that, is, that wants them to submit. And when we start looking at the whole submission of husbands, of wives to husbands, the husbands like to forget the part where it says what they're supposed to do. And the, the teaching really will go, and we'll get into this, you know, if a, if a husband is loving his wife as Christ loves the church, and is laying down his desires for, for his wife, the wife will have no trouble submitting to that man. If he's trying to bluster and say, well, you're supposed to obey me, and you know, you've got to listen to me, you know, he's, probably, he's right in one sense, but he's not going to get the honor that he thinks he deserves because he doesn't deserve it. I've seen pastors who try to demand respect and honor from their church, you know, that don't have that love for their church. Because Jesus says you're to be the servant. <laughs> if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, you serve. And God has a different way of thinking. The first will be last, and the last will be first in, in his thinking. Those who are willing to submit themselves to God and minister to others, God elevates. And we see that over and over in the way he deals with people. And we want to just encourage you. you know, think about being under the umbrella as you go forward. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the honor that you have of allowing us to, to serve others. And in so doing, be serving you for the protection of obedience and submission, first off to you primarily, but then also the, the love that you give us through this. Lord, if there's anybody out there that doesn't know you as your, as your Lord, as Lord and Savior, we ask that they come to you, recognize that they are a sinner, they deserve punishment, and that you paid for it. Come into their hearts. All they have to do is make that confession to you, and you will become one with them and in their heart. And we just thank you in your son's precious name. Amen.